Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Hebrews chapter 11. While you're turning there, I saw on the screen before the service began my very, very good friend, Dr. Tim Lee, is going to be here with you in October. How many of you have ever heard Dr. Lee preach? Anybody here heard Dr. Lee preach? Okay, four of us, five, okay. You are in for a treat. Uh, Tim lost his legs in Vietnam, stepped on a 60-pound landmine, and it blew both of his legs off. I don't want to steal his thunder. He'll probably give his testimony, but he was running from God. Daddy was a pastor, Baptist pastor in Illinois, and uh, Tim just didn't like his daddy telling him how to cut his hair and what time to be in and what time to get up where he could go and where he couldn't. So he said, I'll show him. I'll join the Marines. He told me, he said, uh, he got there and he's going to cut his hair. And the fellow cutting his hair said, you want to keep those sideburns? He said, oh, yes, sir, I do. He said, good, hold your hand out. <laughs> he gave him his sideburns. God's used Tim Lee greatly in evangelism. He has more people saved in his meetings than any evangelist that I personally know. He gives a clear, clear presentation of the gospel. For a few years now, he's been able to go to Paris Island, South Carolina, North Carolina. And uh, that is where those young men and ladies who joined the Marine Corps where they go for basic training if they live east of the Mississippi. West of the Mississippi come to Camp Pendleton. I went with Tim to one of those meetings over there. He has chapel on Sunday. And I guess there was probably 2,500 to 3,000 Marine recruits there for church. Before we went in, I asked him, I said, Tim, they can't make them come to chapel. How, how do you get them all here? And he said, well, if you don't go to chapel, you have to stay with the drill instructor. And if you make him miss time off on Sunday morning, you don't want to do that to a DI. So they'll all come to chapel. And boy, I mean, they sung, and then Tim gave his testimony and presented the gospel between 1,300 and 1,500 of those Marines stepped out of those bleachers, came forward receiving Christ as their Savior. When they went back, I saw puddles of tears where they'd been crying. God has greatly used Tim Lee, and I am so glad that this godly evangelist is going to be here and you're going to be blessed. Let me, let me encourage you. Start thinking about getting lost people here. I promise you, if you get them here, if they don't get saved, they've probably crossed God's deadline. 
But it, uh, you'll enjoy him. He's, he's great. He's an American. I'm going Friday, next Friday night, I'm going to his 50th anniversary uh, of being in the ministry. And uh, I'll tell you, the only reason Tim is handicapped is he don't have any legs. He is as independent as a hog on ice. I mean, he goes everywhere, does everything. He come, he'll come up, somebody have to put his wheelchair up, or he may just turn around, grab it, and pull it up himself. But you'll enjoy my good friend, Dr. Tim Lee. I'm sure Connie, his wife, will be with him, and uh, you'll enjoy getting to know Connie. As most of y'all know, I have been driving around here with Brother Doug. That'll get you right with God quicker than anything I know. It reminded me as we were driving down the interstate, it reminded me of something I heard over in Texas. This elderly couple were driving and one of our state troopers pulled them over. The man rolled down his window, got his billfold, had his license and insurance out. And state trooper said, sir, the reason I stopped you is you didn't have your seatbelt on. He said, oh, yes, sir, I had my seatbelt on, but when you stopped me, I took it off to get my billfold out. His wife said, why are you lying to him? You don't ever wear your seatbelt. He looked at her and said, would you be quiet? And he said, sir, you're right, taillight's out. He said, yes, sir, we're on our way to the garage right now to get it fixed. She said, there you go again, lying to the man. Said, that has been out for over a year. We're on our way to Walmart to get groceries. He looked at her and said, would you shut up? Trooper said, ma'am, does he talk to you like that all the time? Oh, no, sir, just when he's been drinking. <laughs> now, I'm not saying Brother Doug was drinking. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that. I don't know it, but I'm not saying it, all right? But uh, I've enjoyed so very, very much being here. Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to drop down, if you would, to verse number 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out. Notice this next statement. Not knowing whether he went. You let that grab you for a minute. Here you are living in Southern California. Maybe, maybe Abraham lived in the south part of the Ur of the Chaldees, all right? And he comes home and he says to you, his wife, like your Sarah, Honey, we're moving. Oh, wonderful. We're getting a new tent? No, we're keeping our tent, but we're, we're moving. Where are we going? I don't know. You don't know where we're going? No. Why are we going? God said to go. And I'm going to obey God. I mean, you stop and think about this. He didn't have any travel guides. He didn't have an internet. He could go on and look at pictures of the place. And it wouldn't have done him any good because he wouldn't have known where to look up. 
God said, I want you to go and I'm going to take you to a land that I'm going to give to you. And Abraham obeyed. That's what Romans 3 talks about when Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Verse 9. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise. So God got him there. As in a strange country. Now, stop there for just a second. I'm going to take you to a land that I'm going to give you. He gets to that land. God tells him the size of it. Tells him that it's his. And Abraham looks at it like a strange land. A strange country. Dwelling in tabernacles, not house. Still living in tents in a land that was his. Permanent. Now look, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. Why? Verse 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Can I, can I give you the Collier translation of that? Old song said this, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. This world is not our home. Boy, listen, Paul said, if in this life we only have hope, we are of all people most miserable. I don't know about y'all, but I, I'm, I'm ready for heaven. I, I wish that, you know, I wish that I wouldn't have to fly back to Texas on Tuesday, I wish I'd just go to heaven tonight. You know, most of us know we're going to heaven if we're saved. We know that. We just don't want to go now. I heard Dr. J. Vernon McGee say one time, he said, most people want to go to heaven, they just don't want to die to get there. That's true. I don't want to die. That's why... Brother Lester Roloff, you say, I'm looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. He looked for a city. Verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, 90 years old. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son, you and Sarah. Now you know that they doubted in Hagar and Ishmael who become, uh, he became all those who descended from that that are the Islam religion today. Look the trouble they found, uh, got us all in by simply not believing God. Always remember this. Ishmael was a son of Abraham. He was not the promised seed because he said with Abraham and Sarah. Verse 12, therefore, I tell my people, when you see the word therefore, stop and see what it's there for. Therefore, because of this, 
sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, Abraham, a hundred years old, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand of the, by, which is by the seashore innumerable. Now notice verse 13. These all, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, I love this, but having seen them afar off. Having seen them afar. How did they see it afar off? They saw it with the eye of faith. Do you know what faith is? Simple definition of faith is believing what God says and acting on it. Believe that what God says, and I, I know I probably have some that disagree with me, but I believe that God gives us leadership through the Word. This is a supernatural book. If God Himself were to stand here in the place of this book I hold in my hand, and He wanted to leave us a book that would tell us His plan, teach us His nature, show us His will. You know what He would begin with? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And it would end in even so come Lord Jesus. This is a supernatural book. Some years ago, many years ago, I was on staff at Levon Drive Baptist in Garland as youth pastor. I was Dr. Coleman's first youth pastor. I was pastoring in Mesquite. He called me and asked me to come be his youth pastor, and I left pastoring and went to be a youth pastor. Never have had any sense. But we had great ministry there. One day, a preacher called me into his office, and he said, Man, listen, we have come upon a great program. And he said, If you in Virginia, if you can get $1,000 in 30 days, it'll be $10,000. Have you ever heard that old saying, if it's too good to be, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is? I didn't know that then. Boy, I went home so excited. I thought, what could a young married couple do with $10,000? I told Virginia about it, and she said, well, if preacher's going to do it, yeah, we can get $1,000 together. I said, great, where? Where's your cookie jar? Boy, we were so excited. The next morning, now listen to what I'm about to say. In my consistent, consecutive Bible reading, not jumping here, not jumping there, not closing your eyes, open the Bible. Every time I do that, it ends up in Chronicles and all those names. In your consistent, consecutive Bible reading, God will lead you. That morning, I read this. Labor not to be rich, for riches doth take wings and fly away. I said, oh man, let me read that again. Labor not to be rich, for riches doth take wings and fly away. I, thought, oh. I went and told my wife, I said, we can't do that. We're going to miss $10,000? I said, yeah. And I read it to her. She said, oh, let's don't do it then. I didn't want to tell preacher, but I went back to the church that morning, and 
I went and said, Preacher, I can get the money, but in God's word this morning, He told me not to do it. He said, well, don't you do it if God said not to. 30 days, he called me in. He said, boy, you better be glad you didn't get in that. Every one of us lost our money. I said, glory to God. I didn't didn't lose money on this. God will direct you and lead you, but you have to believe. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Believe it. Believe it. They saw it by faith. Notice not only did they see it, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Most of us, and I'll say more about it probably a little bit later, but most of us have driven our stakes too deep in this life. We're too attached to things. Have you ever had God speak to your heart and tell you to do something, give something away, do something for somebody? Boy, that that happens to me quite often, and I love it. I love it. uh, I've given cars away. I've given suits away. Now, I have to find somebody big for me to give a suit to. But if God speaks to my heart, I I do that. I'll buy them a pair of shoes. I'll buy them a suit if God speaks to my heart about it. Why? Because I I don't own anything. He does. And when you don't drive your stakes into things too deeply, then you don't have trouble giving it away. And the amazing thing is, again, if you believe the Scripture, Luke 6, 38 says, Given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Listen to it. For with the measure that you meet with all, it's going to be measured back to you again. Okay, here's Collier's translation, all right? You give it to God in a spoon, He gives it to you in a bucket. You give Him a bucket, He'll give you a front-end loader. You give him a front-end loader, he'll get the dump truck. You cannot outgive God. Now listen to me carefully. He doesn't give it to us for us to keep. God may give through you what he'll never give to you. We're not, supposed to, we're not supposed to be a depository. We're to be a reservoir where it comes in and goes out, comes in and goes out. And that is more fun than eating steak. I mean, this is a ball to be in partnership with God and do what He commands us to do. Strangers and pilgrims on earth, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek for a country. Verse 15, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had the opportunity to return. If all he did was think about, boy, I wished I was back in the earth of Chaldees. Wished I was back out in the world. Wished I was about doing the things I used to do before I was saved. Let me tell you something. What we do is a result of what we think. 
you ponder on what you lost in the world, you'll end up going back trying to get it. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? We need to keep looking here. We need to keep looking up. We need to keep looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Verse 16. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore, because of what he has just said about Abraham and Sarah. Now listen to this statement. God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Normally when we preachers preach, we preach from the angle of this. We're too ashamed of God. We don't share God with folks. We, we, we just don't do that. And that means that we just don't have that proper fellowship with God. It's amazing when you realize in Matthew, Jesus said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Has nothing to do with your salvation. Has everything to do with your rewards. It has everything. Now think about when we stand there, we're going to have a perfect body and a perfect mind. And the judge of the ages is going to say to God the Father and all the rest of the redeemed that are there, John Collier denied me before men, and now I deny him just like he denied me. I'm going to tell you something. That's, that's going to be heartbreaking in that day. It's going to be heartbreaking. Abraham and Sarah because of what they did, not just what they believed, but what they did. The writer of the Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, God was not ashamed to be their God. God is not ashamed. What does it take? What is, does it require of us for God not to be ashamed to be called our God? Again, look back at verse number 8, would you? By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out, not knowing whither he went. There has to be active obedience. Active obedience. It means that we obey and we obey immediately. I mentioned to you that he went, didn't have a country to go to, but he just believed God and he began to do what God commanded. I've often wondered what Virginia would have done if I said, we're going to a country, but I don't know which one, and I don't know what it's like, and I don't know who's there. I don't know how long we're going to be on the road, and I don't really know for sure how I'm going to know when I get there. She would probably have had me committed. But Sarah just obeyed like Abraham. There has to be active obedience. Look at verse 9. 
By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, for he looked for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. There has to be an eternal outlook. You have to realize there's way, way more to this life than this life. If there wasn't, here the writer, he says that they sojourned. That means to dwell near, to reside as a foreigner and he called them strangers and pilgrims. Not citizens. Strangers and pilgrims. Travelers. They were looking. And they were living for something more than what they had then. And you have to remember, Abraham was a very wealthy man. But he knew there had to be more to this than camels and sheep and goats and ox and tents and servants. And that's what he was looking for. He was looking for that place that God had. I love John's gospel and I love chapter 14 where Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Have you ever wondered how good a builder Jesus is? He created the world, created the universe, and he's building me a mansion. Well, preacher, do you think that's a mansion? Yes. Yes, I do. There's an old, old gospel song that I never really understood even when I was a child and unsaved. Lord, just build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. Can you imagine living in a place with streets of gold and you got a little old rundown shack over there in the corner? Building code won't let little cabins in the corner of glory land. We're going to have a mansion. Far better than anything we could have here. We've got to realize we're strangers and pilgrims and Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. He was persuaded. Abraham was. He embraced it. He confessed it that his sojourn here on earth was saying there's much, much more to come. When I was a, a young man still at home, I'm the youngest of seven, five boys and two girls. I'm the baby. Matter of fact, I'm the only one left. I've buried most of them. But I remember my mom, boy, she was a cook. I'm, I'm living proof of that. She was a cook. I mean, and she didn't use recipes. My wife would say, Mom, would you please write down how to do this? She said, I don't know how I do it. I just do it. That was so frustrating to my wife. I remember and always loved at the end of the meal, 
mom would stand up and she'd come to get the plates and boy, when she'd say, save your fork. I like that. You know what that meant? Something else is coming. I've got something else over here. Just save your fork. Well, you know, at our house, we give new forks. Well, you do that at your house. I'm saving my fork right here. I always like that. There's much, much more to come. Look at verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. There had to, has to be absolute confidence. We have to have confidence that what God says He's going to do. Again, as I mentioned a while ago, think about it. Abraham, 100 years old. Sarah, 90 years old. God was able to give them a child. If my wife was still living, she would be, I'll be 80, she'd be 78. I surely wouldn't want God to come and tell me somehow through His Word. Now listen to me. God never has never talked to me out loud. If He did, I'd drop dead. Scare me to death. But He speaks louder. He speaks to your spirit through the Word. If, he, if I was reading and, he, and I read that and God says, that's, that's going to be a promise to you in, in Virginia. You're 80, she's 78. Y'all going to have a baby. I'd commit suicide. I'm saved. Nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I ain't having no more kids. Sometimes I don't even like the ones I have. I don't, don't ever play that for them, okay? I, I love my children. I love my grandchildren. But Abraham, she had some doubt, and that's why we have Hagar and Ishmael. But God went beyond her unbelief and gave them that son, Isaac. There has to be total belief and faith and believing that God is able and to be confident in that. Very quickly, number four, look at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly they seek a country. They seek a country. They have to be an entire separation. I know that we are in the world. But Jesus says we're not to be of the world. We're not to be part of this world system. We ought not let the world, as I mentioned this morning, dictate to us how we live and what we believe and, and the things that we do. We ought to live as citizens of heaven. That's where our home is. We're just passing through. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. Don't answer out loud, but think in your heart.
Is God ashamed to be called our God? I've often wondered what our Heavenly Father thinks about Christendom in America today, where we're throwing the Scripture away because we want to appease this world that hates us anyway. There are those in Washington, D.C. right now that would close every church down. Let me tell you something. Don't think if you compromise with the world, the world's going to love you. They're not. As a matter of fact, if you know anything about prophecy, you know that in the book of the Revelation, in the second half, that great tribulation, Antichrist is going to destroy the church. Not, not the church, but the organized church. He's going to destroy it. Why? He hates anything that has anything to do with God. He's going to destroy religion and say, worship me. That's what he does. He sets himself up in the, in the uh, city of David, on the throne of David, saying, I am God, you worship me. You can never appease this world. We have to stand with God against the things of the devil. It's amazing when you and I realize the only thing that can keep God from saying, you know, Collier, I'm not ashamed to be called your God, is I have to make sure my life has nothing in it that would cause God not to be known as my God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. We're going to have music in just a moment. God greatly blessed Abraham because Abraham greatly blessed God. You know how he blessed him? He believed him and he obeyed him. That's what you and I have to do. That's what you and I must do. Would you stand quietly to your feet? And if there is a desire in you for God not to be ashamed, just in the quietness of your heart, ask Him, Lord, what is it that I have in my life that would make it where you do not want to be called my God? You know, sometimes I think in our services in our churches, I'm reminded of a statement by A.W. Tozier. In one of his books, I think it was The Pursuit of God, Dr. Tozier made a statement. He said, most Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I surrender all. My dear friend, right in the quietness of your heart, ask the Holy Spirit, reveal to me, because I do not want you to be ashamed to be called 
my God. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.